0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ECHOEGT.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at GT. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message.
1: I mean, worship conferences have been unbelievable. Every single session. God has been taking us from glory to glory, from session to session, and God has been speaking and moving powerfully and prophetically in every single service. and 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 Bob really just took things to another level. But I believe tonight, God is going to seal some things, but not just seal some things, but break some things open that are going to be brought into our lives that are going to be for this season. Of our lives, and uh, the, the the man that's speaking this evening is no stranger to this house. Uh, he is um, uh, our our pastor's best friend. He is a, a, an incredible father of this house, and and um, has spoken many incredible words. So can we welcome our family, Pastor Jim Rayley tonight as he comes and preaches?
0: Come on, glad tidings! If you're going to clap. Let's clap for Jesus, come on. Come on, this is a worship conference and you clap that good for me, but now you're clapping for the king. I know you've been standing a lot, but jump on your feet and give the Lord a ridiculous praise, come on. Come on, give him a praise like he's good. Give him a praise like he's awesome. Hallelujah, how about this? Praise him according to his reputation. Come on, praise him according to his reputation. Well, praise the Lord! You can be seated for just a minute. I'm so glad to be here. Man, I love this house. How many of you are glad to be in a house that's on fire? Anybody? God has given you the best pastors in the whole wide world. How many of you love Pastor Gary and Christy? And listen, I've known Pastor Gary all my life. That's a fact. I, I remember when I was a little baby, I used to sit in my mama's lap and listen to him preach. I don't know where that came from. That was funny, wasn't it? But listen, we have been friends our entire life, and I am so excited to be here. I bring you greetings from my wife. She's actually preaching at our Palm Coast campus tonight. I have been on the road, hot and heavy. I was in seven states in seven days. And then uh, Wednesday, Thursday night, I was in uh, Pensacola, Friday night in Panama City, Saturday night in Tallahassee. Sunday morning in Ormond Beach, but I'm glad to be in Okoy tonight. Hallelujah. And again, I bring you greetings from my first wife. Come on, she's my wife, my girlfriend, and my woman on the side. Come on, somebody. She's like the Lord. She's three in one. Can I get a witness? (laughs) We've been married for 30 years, and in 30 years, we've never once talked about divorce, not even one time murder several times, but never divorced. Well, I feel like preaching. Do you feel like receiving? Yes. Now, this is going to be more than a message tonight. This is going to be an impartation. I believe tonight, you know, you've had a great conference, but tonight God is going to release something in the room that you're going to take with you out into your world. And, and I want everything God has for me. If you want everything God has for you, make a little noise. You know, this is quite a pulpit right here. I asked Pastor Christie, I said, you think it'll make me look skinny? Come on, somebody. (laughs) All right, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Get there as quickly as you can. I feel like preaching. Listen, the devil's about to have a real bad night. I said, you're going to have a great one, but the devil's going to have a real bad night. Amen. Will you stand for the reading of God's word? That's just my custom. And we're going to begin reading at verse one. I, I want to talk to you about the anointing. I've been speaking a lot about the oil lately, and I just can't seem to get out of it. It's like the Lord just has me parked on fresh oil and fresh anointing. Who's interested in fresh anointing in your life tonight? All right, we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing as I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you. My goodness. Uh, they must have been in southern Israel. Come on, somebody. <laughs> take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and, and I will show you what you shall do. How many of you want the Lord just to show you? Yeah what you should do. He said, you shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? He said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was When they came, that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's a good place to say amen. Come on. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass by before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he went and sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking and the Lord said arise, anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel took a horn of oil And anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Then Samuel took a horn of oil. One translation says a hen. That represents about five and a half liters. It could be as much as six to nine quarts. Could you imagine David standing there and having nine quarts of oil poured over his head? I want to preach for just a few minutes when David struck oil. How many of you would like to strike oil tonight? Oh, come on, somebody. I said, how many of you would like to strike oil tonight? How many of you would like to get fresh anointing poured over your life, over your children, over your family, over your future, over every situation? Somebody's about to strike oil in this room. If you want to get in this anointing with me, why don't you slip up your hands? Father, we just raise our hands as a sign of surrender and submission. Lord, we're telling you pour in us, pour on us, pour through us, whatever you have for us. We give your name the glory and the praise. Somebody give the Lord a little bit of praise before you sit down. Come on. Come on, lift up and shout if you love him. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. David was anointed here with the hint of the anointing oil. David struck oil. Theologians tell us it could have been as much as nine quarts. How many of y'all know that night David got an oil change and a lube job? Can I get a witness? I'm telling you, I want oil in my life. I want the anointing in my life. I want the power of God in my life. I'm uninterested in going to church where it's more superficial than supernatural. I want to be in a place where there's some power, and I feel some power in this room. I feel some glory in this room. I feel some anointing in this room. Now, in the Bible, oil represents two things. Oil is an emblem of the Holy Spirit. It represents, number one, the Holy Spirit, and number two, it represents the anointing. So anytime someone had oil poured over their head in the Old Testament, in the Bible, it was a symbolic thing that they were being anointed for a task. It represented God's endowment and it represented God's endorsement. In other words, when someone was anointed with oil, it represented the fact that God was publicly saying, I have chosen them. It was God's way of publicly saying, I put my hand on them and I've got an agenda for their lives. See, I don't know about you, but I'm sure about me. I want everybody to know that God has chosen me. I want them to know that the Lord is on my side. I want them to know that I don't do what I do on my own volition or in my own strength, but there is something at work in my life from another world. How many of you would like to live a life where people around you could identify the fact that the hand of the Lord is on you? If that's you, make a little noise in this room right now. It represents God's endowment or endorsement, but it also represents God's endowment. What does endowment mean? It represents God's empowerment. It's this, it's, it's saying that when God chooses you to do a thing, he's gonna give you the power to do what he chooses you to do. That means if he's called you to do something, he's not going to not enable you to do it. Whatever he's called you to do, he's going to give you the supernatural ability to get it done. And some of you have been feeling inept. Some of you have been feeling weak. Some of you have been feeling like I can't do this by myself. This is why you cannot do it by yourself. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that anointing will do for you what you cannot do alone. I stopped by Okoye, Florida to tell you, get ready. God's about to pour something into your life that's going to endue you and mark you with the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for that kind of anointing? Now it's very powerful to me that the, there are several words in the Bible, in, in the Greek and in the Hebrew for the one word anoint, but one of the words is belial. And if you really transliterate that, you study it, the word belial means to mix and to mingle. Certainly it means to rub and to smear as that priest would have that oil poured over him and rubbed and smeared all over him getting ready to go behind the veil. But it also means to mix and to mingle. What, what, what the Bible teaches us is there was, there was something called the oil of gladness. And when people were anointed with oil, it changed their countenance. It made them look differently. So it means to mix and to mingle. And when you trace that word belial, it means to confuse and to confound. In other words, when you receive that anointing, God mixes and mingles his supernatural power. You provide the natural, he provides the super. He mixes and mingles his miracle working power with you. It comes upon you. It comes over you. It starts working in you. He mixes it and mingles it. But watch this. How does it confuse and confound? Because when you get the anointing things begin to change. You start looking differently in the spirit. Before you are anointed you look one way to the devil. But after you are anointed you look another way to the devil. You start confusing the devil when you receive an anointing. The devil looks at you before you are anointed and you look like an easy mark. You look like somebody that he could bring down. Somebody he could depart. somebody he could discourage somebody he could derail but after you receive the anointing he is confused because he says it's you but it isn't you how many of you want to get something on your life where the devil doesn't even recognize you somebody give God praise if you're ready for that now I want to bring you up to speed with what's going on here in our awesome story at the end of chapter 15 Remember Saul, he loses God's anointing in his life. And in fact, there's an intense pronouncement made over the life of Saul. The Bible said in the 28th verse, so Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now better means more agreeable. It means more willing to please God. You see, if we're going to maintain God's anointing in our life and over our lives, we're going to have to be a people who knows what it is to have the agenda that is clear. We want to please the Lord. The anointing doesn't come to us for us to to manifest and and magnify ourselves. But the anointing comes to us that we might please the Lord. When God anoints you, it's for his glory and not yours. When God anoints you, it's for his plan and his agenda in your life. See, we've got a lot of preachers now who are trying to receive an anointing and they want it for their own agenda and their own plan. But if they will learn to please the Lord, God will do for them what they could never do by themselves. Saul lost his way, and when he lost his way, he lost his anointing because he forgot that the anointing was to please the Lord. It came so he could please God. So check this out, God, God fired Saul, but let him keep his throne for 15 years so he could find out who he really was without the touch of God on his life. I don't know about you, beloved, but I don't want to find out who I am without the touch of God on my life I need the anointing I need the power I need the presence I need a touch of God I need I need him in my life I can't do what I do without him I got to have him is there anybody in this place tonight and you'd say Jim Rayleigh I got to have a touch of God on my life it's not an alternative with me if you've got to have that touch make a little noise in the room So so here, here the prophet is, Samuel. He's carrying on and crying because the anointing has lifted off of Saul. And the Lord speaks to the prophet and says, how long you gonna mourn for Saul seeing as I have chosen me another? He said, while you're sitting here mourning for Saul, I have found me a man. He may not look like much, He may seem underqualified. He he may seem like his ability is not up to par, but he's blowing me kisses. Come on, somebody. He's singing me love songs. He doesn't have an audience, and he doesn't have a kingdom, but he's got a praise. He doesn't have a platform, but he has a praise. Let me tell you, if you'll ever get a praise, then maybe God will give you a platform, but first you got to get a praise. Anybody can praise him when you got a platform. Anybody can praise him when you're in front of people, but when you're by yourself and you're praising him, that's the man that God can raise up. He's blowing me kisses. He's singing me love songs. He's after my heart. I found me a worshiper, hallelujah. Now, isn't it something? that when the the man of God, Samuel, went to Jesse's house, all these strapping big men came and stood before the prophet and the Lord kept saying, this is not the one. This is not the one. And the oil didn't flow until it came to David. And I need to tell you that God's got oil for you. And your oil ain't gonna flow on anybody else. Your oil is tailor-made for you. And I came to Okoye, Florida to tell somebody that tonight is fresh oil night. God is about to pour some oil over your life. Don't worry about what your neighbor's getting. Don't worry about the people behind you. God is about to pour some oil on you that's got your name on it for the next season. I dare you to give him praise if you want your oil. Look at your neighbor and say, I want my oil. Yeah, yeah, you can have your oil, but I want my oil. I want to walk out of here with some fresh oil over my life tonight. I, I want my oil. I ain't worried about your oil. I want my oil. I want my oil. I want my oil for my fight. I want my oil for my assignment. I want my oil, hallelujah. Now, your oil is for your purpose. God wants to anoint you. The question is, how bad do you want it? So so I want to give you tonight the several reasons that David was anointed. And I want to deposit this in your spirit. I had not started preaching yet. But I want to share with you the several reasons that David was anointed. Now listen, David... David was a renaissance man. Come on. He was a poet and a warrior. He would kill you and write a song about it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) David was a different kind of man. But the first reason that David was anointed, number one, David was anointed to worship. And let me tell you something, my brothers, real men know how to worship. Are there any worshiping brothers in the house? Come on, I know we got some worshiping sisters, but let me hear from the radical worshiping brothers. Are there any? See, something happens when a man knows how to worship, when a man knows how to give God praise, when the high priest of the house don't mind giving God glory, blessings are about to come to that house. I've heard people say, you know, I, I don't worship because I'm just not emotional. Well, you don't have no trouble getting angry. I'm not emotional. Were you sure emotional last night when Florida was playing Miami. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm telling you, I I couldn't even, I was coming back from Tallahassee. I couldn't even watch the game. I was having to get updates on my iPad that was connected through my cell phone. And I was about to throw my iPad through the window. Come on, somebody. And I wasn't even watching it. And I'm telling you, if I'll get that emotional about a football game, when it comes to Jesus, get out of my way. I'll praise the Lord with all my might. David was anointed to worship. And make no mistake about it, David was a manly man. David wasn't a wimp. He wasn't a sissy. Come on, somebody. Do you realize that in order to receive Saul's daughter as his wife, he had to bring, he was asked to bring a hundred foreskins of Philistines and present to the king. And brother didn't bring a 100, he brought 200. Now, I don't know how it is in Okoye, but in Daytona, we ain't giving that up without a fight. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You ain't getting that until I'm dead. What I'm trying to tell you is this, David was a manly man. The Bible said he couldn't even build the temple because he had too much blood on his hands. David was a warrior. But let me tell you, in spite of all that he was, the greatest thing that David was, he was a worshiper. He knew how to give God glory. He knew how to attract the presence of God. Aren't there any worshipers in this room tonight? No, that ain't gonna do. Make a little noise if you're a worshiper. See, your life, sisters and brothers, your life needs to be marked by worship. You need to worship the Lord. David had failures. He had many tragedies, many shortcomings, many weaknesses and problems. But in the midst of it all, David had a constant in his life. He was a a worshiper. Even though he was anointed, he was still a worshiper because here's what you need to write down. The anointing alone won't get you through. You got to be a worshiper. There are times when the anointing won't be enough. You got to be a worshiper. And one of the chief reasons David maintained God's anointing in his life was due to the fact that he was prolific at giving God what he desired. And that is worship. And watch this. When David came to the palace, he came as a worshiper. The anointing opened the door, but worship kept the door open. Within 10 verses... David is anointed, and within 10 verses, the anointed had catapulted him from the pasture and placed him into the palace. I'm trying to tell you that the anointing will do things for you that you can't do for yourself. Within 10 verses, he finds himself in the palace and he's moved from the pasture and the anointing supernaturally opened that door for him. But I want you to understand something. All David did in the palace was what he had always done in the pasture. He worshiped. Even though he had received the promotion... He was still a worshiper. I came to tell you tonight, you better not let any success you achieve through the anointing cause you to stop worshiping God. Don't let the money rob you of your worship. Don't let the job rob you of your worship. Don't let the relationship rob you of your worship. Don't let the promotion rob you of your worship. You better not get to the king's house and forget how to worship. You better remember that had it not been for the Lord, you would still be in the pasture and you would still be in a mess. Come on, somebody. All David did in the palace was what he had done in the pasture. The anointing opened the door, but worship kept the door open. See, I want to tell you, the anointing will open the door, but worship will keep the door open. And I want to I say this tonight in love but don't let promotion rob you of your praise. Don't lose your wonder. If you get to the king's house and quit worshiping, you're in trouble. Keep on worshiping. I've watched folks over the years when they didn't have anything and they were living by faith. They were willing to worship. They were willing to weep. They were willing to dance. They were willing to cry. And they were willing to give God glory. But they achieve a little success. And then they get too good to give him praise and too deep to give him glory. But let me tell you, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've seen God take me a mighty long. Way, but I'm still a worshiper, I'm still a praiser. Are there any worshipers in the house tonight? See, I'll pray God won't give you promotion if it'll stop you from worshiping. See, see, here's the deal you got to learn to praise Him. I said, just praise him. In every season, you got to praise him. When you study about the children of Israel, you'll find out that when the children of Israel were walking through the desert, it was always Judah that led out front. You know what Judah means? Judah means praise. Come on, somebody. Hey, I love Judah. Don't y'all love Judah? Y'all stole him from me. Come on, somebody. I came back to get what the devil stole from me. Can I get him? No, I'm happy he's here but it was always Judah that led out front. Come on, Judah, I'm gonna let you be the illustration tonight. It was always Judah leading out front. Judah through the hot times. Judah in the desert. Judah in the lean times. Judah in the tough times. Judah in the dry times. Come on, Judah in the thirsty time. Some of y'all can sit out there and be cute if you want to, but you wouldn't be where you are tonight. You wouldn't have made it through that desert if you didn't know how to get Judah out front. you got praise out front. Somebody give God some glory if you've ever put Judah out front. Come on, have you put Judah out front and you made it through the dry times? One, two, three, shout if that's you. But watch this. It was always Judah that came to the battlefield first. Judah would show up about a day or so early. Come on, Pastor. And Judah would bring their horns, they'd bring their tambourines, they'd bring their drums, and they would dance all over the battlefield. They were gonna fight the Hibites, the Hittites, the Amalekites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. Some of y'all been fighting the crazy Husbandites <laughs> and the nagging Wi-Fights. Come on, somebody and the demon-possessed children. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. How about the Bill collectorites? You ever felt them? You've been dealing with the ites in your life, but Judah would get out there, and that tribe would praise the Lord for the victory before the battle even started. Before they had even thrown a spear or shot an arrow, they would dance all over the battlefield for the victory before they had even started the fight. See, anybody can praise the Lord when they've already got the victory, but do you know how insulted the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites were when they had to look out there and see Judah praising God for the victory before they had even started the fight. I dare somebody right now go ahead and praise him like it's already done. I said praise him like it's already done. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You've been anointed to worship. One of the reasons David was anointed, he was anointed young person to worship. And let me tell you something. He only did in the palace what he had done in the pasture. But number two, David was anointed to wait. Now watch this. I'm gonna define the word wait in two different ways. The Bible said, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem now the first understanding that I want you to grab a hold of for the word wait means to serve come on now like to wait tables and see this concept escapes much of this generation today that ultimately we have been anointed to serve God anoints us to serve Many people who get God's anointing in their lives lose sight of the fact that they have been anointed to serve. Preachers better hear me. The young preachers better listen to me. Preachers that have been preaching for a while now that are so consumed and so concerned with social media. They've gotten so constrained. They're so concerned about how many people are following them on social media. Listen, social media is a tool. It's an opportunity. But let me tell you, don't get more concerned about how many people are following you on social media than you are about how many people are following you to heaven. Come on, somebody. We've been anointed to serve. We've been anointed to serve our people. We've been anointed to serve the Lord. And I don't want to say here but just for a second. But I read just recently where there was a, one of the leading pastors in our nation. He said, I don't feel like it's my place to talk about racism. It's not my place. It's not my assignment. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to talk about homosexuality or abortion. I'm not supposed to talk about things like that. And I thought to myself, if it's not your job, then whose job is it? Oh, it's quiet in here now. How can they hear without a preacher? I'm afraid we've got too many limp-wristed, sissified preachers who are more concerned about what people think than they are about what the word of God says. What, what we need are some men with steel in their backbone that will stand up and say, this is the way. Walk ye therein. Come on, somebody. We've got to serve our people. We've got to speak truth to our people. And I'm glad you're in a church where you hear the truth. Somebody better give God praise for your leadership in this house. Let me tell you, I'm, we, we, we need to talk about things. We need to take issues on because this generation will take our silence as permission. If we don't talk about it, they'll take our silence as permission. They'll take our silence as permission. And there's a lot of preachers who don't preach tough subjects anymore because they're scared of their people. But can I tell you something, baby? I've been doing this for 35 years and I ain't scared of none of y'all. The truth is we got to get the servant's heart back. We got to care about the sheep again. We got to speak truth. Somebody make a little noise if you want to be in a house that preaches the truth. Last Sunday we had two gay couples that came forward and accepted the Lord as their personal Savior. They sat in our church and they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. Hear me, watch this. David... David the Bible says he went and returned from Saul to feed the father's sheep in Bethlehem. See David never forgot his first mission and mandate and motive for being anointed was to serve the father and to care for the sheep. See the anointing is about the sheep. It's about caring for the sheep. It's about speaking truth to the sheep. The priority of heaven is the sheep. The priority of God is sheep. He cares about people. And I want to be a part of a church that cares about people. I don't want to go to church where everybody's perfect. Some of y'all say, Jim Rayleigh, I'm looking for a perfect church. But when you find it, they ain't going to let you in come on. I want to go to a church where people are struggling. I want to go to a church where there's some people that are jacked up. Let me tell you in the last days this church is going to explode in growth in the name of Jesus and you're going to see lost people come in this house and they're going to be supernaturally found because the sheep are a priority in this house. Somebody give God a shout in here. See, I want to tell you, we've been anointed to serve, not to get the big head, not to think we're all that. The Father's priority is the sheep. And David never lost sight of the heart of the Father, that the anointing came to serve the Father and to care for the sheep. Never allow yourself to be removed from pursuing the heart of the Father, and that's the sheep. So number one, David was anointed to worship Number two, David was anointed to wait. That means to serve. But number three, David was anointed to war. Come on, somebody. David was anointed to fight. Hello. David got anointed in chapter 16. He got in a fight with Goliath in chapter 17. See, the enemy has fought some of you because your anointing is causing it to happen. I hear people say all the time, oh, I want to be anointed. The question is why? Because here's the truth. War follows the anointing. If you're going to have the anointing over your life, you better get ready to fight. But I'm telling you, there's some things that are worth fighting for. See, I've made up in my mind, I'm going to fight for what matters. I'm going to fight for what's important. War follows the anointing. See, sometimes it is the anointing on your life that wakes up your giant. And that anointing makes up the giant, and the giant will threaten you. But let me tell you, David got the anointment in chapter 16. He had the appointment in chapter 17. God gave him the anointment before the appointment. What does that mean? That means God gave him everything he needed to, to kill the giant before he ever even got to the giant. He had what he needed to defeat the giant. I dare somebody right now just take 10 seconds and give God a crazy praise that you got whatever you need to fight any giant that comes your way. Come on, shell. You've been anointed for war. You've been anointed to fight. And can I say this? God ain't gonna waste his anointing on chickens. Because chickens fry, but eagles fly. Are there any eagles in glad tidings tonight? Let me hear from a few eagles in the house. Are there some eagles? See, Pastor Gary, I'm not always looking for a fight. But you know. That if you really want to fight, you come in my house and you think you're going to mess with my cheering? Cheering. Not children, cheering. You think you're going to mess with my woman? Come on, somebody. I will shoot you and then have a healing service. I will go Rambo one minute, Benny Hinn the next. Come on, somebody. I said Rambo one minute Benny Hinn the next but if you come in my house and you think you're going to harm my family take one of my children you better expect to fight and if I ever get down to fighting it ain't going to be pretty because I will gnaw on you. I will hit you where the sun don't shine. I will give you a wedgie. I'll pull your hair. I will bite you. I will, I'll, come on, I'll, I, it's going to get crazy. I will fight like the third monkey when in Noah's Ark and it's starting to rain. Come on, somebody. I said, I'm going to be like the third monkey standing in Noah's Ark and it's starting to rain. Cause it's on. I'm trying to tell you if you're gonna fight, make sure that what you're fighting for, it's gonna make a difference. Fight. Somebody say, I'm gonna fight for my family. I'm gonna fight for my church. I'm gonna fight for my children. I'm gonna fight for my anointing. I'm gonna fight for revival. Make a little noise if you're gonna fight. You've been anointed for warfare. Don't run from it. You've been anointed to fight for that son. You've been anointed to tell the devil, devil, you can't have my son. You can't have my daughter. You can't have my marriage. You've been anointed to fight. Are there any warriors in this room? I said, are there any warriors in this room? So David comes on the battlefield, y'all. He's a He's a pizza delivery boy. Come on. He's got bread and cheese. That sounds like pizza to me. Read the Bible. He comes and he hears Goliath running his mouth. And the threat of the enemy woke up the warrior in David. See, some of you have been letting the threat of the enemy cause you to be afraid. But there's something on you that if you will access that anointing, you are dangerous to your enemy. So here's what David said. David's all offended because of the mouth of this giant. He's running his mouth. And David said, now now what's gonna happen to whoever beats this giant? And they looked at David and said, well, here's what's going to happen. Whoever defeats the giant... Their taxes are forgiven. They get to move into the king's house. They get a great reward of money, and then they they get to marry the king's daughter. Read the story. David said, say that again. (laughs) David said, hold up. Wait a minute. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. They said, whoever defeats Goliath... They get to move into the king's house. They get power. They get all their taxes forgiven. On top of that, they get resources and money handed to them. So they get power, money, and then they get a woman. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Power, money, and sex. Okay, I said it. I know some of y'all now. Y'all. He actually said that word, power, money, and sex, PMS. Come on. How many of y'all know PMS has brought a lot of men down? Can I get a witness? That's dangerous. You know what I'm saying? So, So David said, wait a minute. Let me see if this is worth it. I got sheep over here. And I got power right here. I I can stay with the sheep or I can move in with the king. So, sheep are power. I'm watching these sheep and I'm broke as a convict. (laughs) I can have some money. So, do I want sheep or money? Sheep or power? And then I get a woman. (laughs) Do I want sheep? Let me get my sling. I'm ready to fight. You know what? David knew that there was a reward on the other side of that battle. And I have made up my mind that if there's a reward on the other side of the battle, baby, let's get down to the fight because I want what's coming to me. Give God a shout if that's you. David walks out there underaged, underqualified, and underestimated. But the threat woke up the anointing. See, one of the reasons I came tonight is I'm about to wake up the anointing in your life. You're about to see victory in the name of Jesus. So David walks in and he sees his brothers hiding in the tent. Pastor, they're trembling. They're afraid. Now, these were all the brothers, three of them, That the prophet wanted to anoint and they're in the tent terrified now when you transliterate the name Eliab come on now I told y'all before I'm smaller than you think I am I have my PhD my Pentecostal hairdo y'all remember that come on now if you define the name Eliab Eliab's name being strength so you got strength Sitting in the tent, biting his nails, scared to death, and then his other brother Abinadab is there. Abinadab's name means to volunteer as a soldier. It represents training. So you got strength in the tent, and you got training in the tent, and they are both terrified. And then you have Shama there, and Shama won't leave the tent. Shama is scared, and Shama's name means astonishment or giftedness. So you got strength in the tent, and you got and you got training in the tent. And you got giftedness in the tent. And let me tell you, none of them could move. None of them fought the giant. But what strength couldn't do, the anointing could do. And what giftedness couldn't do, the anointing could do. And what training couldn't do, the anointing can do. I came to tell you that there's some things you can't do, but the anointing in you is unstoppable in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on and give the Lord a shout in here. Now, watch this. This is is point number four I'm headed to, and I only have 12 more. (laughs) No, just five. Watch this. David was anointed to worship. He was anointed to wait. What does that mean? To serve. David was anointed to war. But here's number four. David was anointed to wait, and the definition for the word wait here means to persevere in expectation. That means that even while you're waiting, even when you're not seeing it, you are persevering in expectation that God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. Don't quit on your family. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your purpose. Don't give up on your destiny. You need to begin to expect God to do everything he said that he would do. See, what do you do when you know you're anointed to do a thing, but God makes you wait? What do you do when you know you're anointed to do something, but God makes you wait? See, how you act while you're waiting is often a preview of how you'll act when you arrive. If you can wait and be gracious, if you can wait and not have an agenda, if you can wait, then God can use you. What do you do when you're anointed, but God says wait? When you're prepared, but God says wait. When you deserve the promotion, but God says wait. When you're ready, but God says wait. When you know you could do a better job, but God says wait. What do you do when God says wait? It was 15 years from the time that David was anointed uh, 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 to be king until he He was finally anointed king over Judah. He wasn't anointed king over all of Israel, just Judah. It was Judah first. He was anointed king of Judah first. And then seven years later, he was anointed king over all of Israel. See, here's the truth. The Lord said, I got to make you king of Judah first. What does Judah mean? Judah means praise. He said, I got to make you king of praise before I make you king of anything else. He said, I'm going to I'm gonna cause you to have to trust me. And then I'm going to give you part of the promise. See, some of y'all are waiting to praise God until you see all of the promise. But the Lord said, if you'll learn to praise me right now for what I've already done. Everything else in the kingdom is going to open up before you. See, maybe you don't have everything you want, but the Lord said you got to learn to praise God for what you've got on the way to what you want. I dare somebody right now, you don't have the fullness of the promise, but you've got part of it, and you can praise God over what he's already done. God, I feel a breakthrough. I dare you to praise God for the partial right now. Get one neighbor by the hand and shake him up. I want you to talk to one neighbor. Look him in the eye. If they will look you in the eye, then look him in the ear hole. But just holler at him and say, Hey, neighbor. Yes. No, you holler at him like you holler at your children when they're on your last nerve. Say, Hey, neighbor. Yes. Say, You can sit there if you want to. But I need a minute to give God praise for what He's already done in my life somebody praise him for what he's already done and cut on the give him praise and now praise him for what's to come praise him for the rest of the promise there are seasons in your life when you trust God when you say Lord you anointed me but But why am I not seeing it? David is running and hiding like a scared rabbit in the wilderness. This is not what I planned, but it was God's process. There's a great, incredible book that I read one time called Dream Killers, written by Jim Raley. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And I talk about the process of Joseph and how Joseph was told about a palace, but his journey started in the pit. God took him through the process. The process didn't change the promise. The process changed Joseph. Come on. Because if Joseph would have got to the promise prematurely, he would have strutted around. Come on, he couldn't have found a crown big enough for his head. But by the time he got to the palace and by the time he got to the promise, he knew that he would not be there unless the Lord had guided him and directed him and put his hand on his life. Some of you right now, God has taken you through the process. And you may feel like you're in the pit right now. But Jim Raley's here to tell you that the pit ain't it come on some of y'all been decorating your pit you got you a, you got you a lazy boy in the pit you put a picture on the wall you got a TV screen up there you watching Big you and listen stop decorating your pit the pit ain't it it's part of the process God's gonna do what he said but you got to learn to wait. It means to persevere in expectation. It's having confidence in the Lord. It's believing that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And you got to learn to praise him in the process. Your children are coming in. If you've got lost children, I to speak it in the name of Jesus. The Bible said you will decree a thing and it will be established. The Bible said the power of death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The power. The Bible said you got to call things that be not as though they were. Gary, I'm calling young people into the kingdom. I'm calling children into the kingdom. I declare that this building can not contain what God's going to do through this church in the coming years. I declare revival in Ocoy. I declare a move of God. Give You've got to shout if you're in it. I want to stir up your expectancy that if God said it, He will do it. So, are you still with me? Okay, I'm about to close. You know what that means? That don't mean nothing. Here we go. David was anointed to worship. Are there any worshipers in the house? Come on, come on. I said, are there any radical worshipers? Are there any worshipers who are not ashamed to worship? Are there any people that can say, Pastor Reddy, I don't care if anybody even sees me. I'm one of them out in the open, worshiper. David was anointed to wait. Come on now. That means to serve. Our anointing comes to us that we might care for the sheep. That we might honor the heart of the Father. That we might be faithful to the Father. That we might be kind to people and love people and serve people. Come on, somebody. Can I can I just segue for a minute and tell you men that serving is the new sexy? Come on, somebody. I've been preaching men's conferences, so I just kind of I'm gonna help I'm gonna help a sister out. Serving is the new sexy. If you want things to go right for you, become a servant around your house, brother. I heard about about this man, things weren't going the way he wanted to go, you know, where he wanted them to go a certain way and it wasn't going that way. You know what, what had happened was, you know what I'm saying. Things weren't happening the way he wanted to happen. So he was talking to his wife, and he said, Honey, the things are just not going well. She said, You know, when you are the most sexy to me, when you get in the floor with the kids, and you are playing with the kids, and you are rolling around in the floor having fun with them, playing board games, she said, That's when you're the most sexy. He didn't even look. He just said, Kids, get in here. Bring the Monopoly game. We're playing tonight. Serving is a beautiful thing. We have four campuses. I say it as under the Lord, but I'm on planes and somewhere just about all the time. But I never want to be a man who forgets where I came from. I never want to be uppity. I always want to be kind. I always want to be full of graciousness. I want the people I love to know that I love them. Not just by what I say, but by what I do. See, David was anointed to worship. David was anointed to wait, to serve. David was anointed to war. Come on, any warriors here? Come on, any third monkey warriors in the house? <laughs> Let me hear from the third monkey warriors. Where they? Yeah. David was anointed to war. David was anointed to wait to persevere in expectation. But here's where I wanted to get all night. David was surely anointed to worship. He was anointed to wait. He was anointed to war. He was anointed to wait. But number five, David was anointed to win. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor, I need to tell you tonight. Say, I've been anointed to win. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you've been anointed to win, come on, give God a praise right now. David was a winner. (laughs) Push your neighbor and say, you look like a winner to me. Yeah, yeah. In 1 Samuel 17, David defeated Goliath. He got riches, he lived in a palace, he married the king's daughter, and he didn't pay any taxes. In 1 Samuel 30, he defeated the Amalekites at Ziglag. That's where he went and took back everything the enemy stole and got back more than what he lost. I declare that some of y'all are getting ready and you're going to go into hell's kitchen and you're going to take back what the devil stole and you're going to get it back with interest. Tell your neighbor, I'm anointed to win. In 2 Samuel 2, he overcame Saul's attack and became king of Judah. In 2 Samuel 5, he overcame all his foes and became king of Israel. In 2 Samuel 5, 17, he overcame the Philistines at the valley of Rapham and changed the name to Belparisium. When you transliterate and define the name Valley of Rapham, it means the Valley of the Giants. This is where Israel had been defeated again and again and again. But God gave him such a victory that he changed the name to Belparisium. And Belparisium means the place of the breakthrough. I came to prophesy and tell somebody that God is about to change your Valley of the Giants into the place of your breakthrough. Jump on your feet and give God a shout. Come on, look at your neighbor one more time and say, hey neighbor, I'm sorry if my noisiness Noisiness. offends you, you. but I'm I'm a winner and I'm about to praise God like a winner. Give God a shout, give him a shout, shout hallelujah, you've been anointed to win. You've been anointed to win. Don't let your present situation, everybody standing, can I have some musicians. Hey, wasn't worship great tonight? I loved every minute of it. Y'all were jumping real high. I was jumping in my heart. I was kind of jumping like this. When you pass 50, your jump goes from this to this, come on but you still jump I love you glad tidings thank you for having me I'm going to finish my assignment tonight and we're going to release something in the room wouldn't it be a shame to preach a message like that and then not see it demonstrated in the room oil. remember it's an emblem. It represents the Holy Spirit and it represents his anointing. God anoints you for the person and for the process. David was anointed to worship. He was anointed to wait he was anointed to war and he was anointed to win pastor it blew my mind because the way I understand the Bible is it has to come alive to me it's kind of like I began to see it unfold that's how I write my sermons saw this young teenager came up to the prophet trembling and afraid, underaged, underqualified, but underestimated. The prophet started pouring oil on his head. How long did it take to pour nine quarts of oil on his head? He had to stand there. He had to wait. How often does God start doing something in us, but we won't stay and let him pour everything he has over us. See, I grew up, my dad used to have a big old communion table in the front of the church and it said this do in remembrance of me and it was like the sanctified piece of furniture. And on it was a bottle of oil that had been there since shortly after the crust of the earth cooled. Come on, y'all. Remember those oil, that old nasty oil? It'd been there for like decades. My dad would call people forward, he'd get that old nasty oil, and he'd start like, now the oil smells good. Wasn't that way when I was a little boy. We, we suffered for Jesus. <laughs> I would watch people as they'd be prayed for, that he would put that oil on their head, and he'd move down. Just as sure as he moved down, somebody would take their fingers, <laughs> and then they would smell of it. Some of y'all do that now. Don't lie. You know you do. Just as soon as a preacher goes, you're smelling of it. <laughs> See, the truth is, if you don't use oil, oil goes rancid. That's why David said in Psalms 92, 10, I have been anointed with fresh oil. <sighs> oh, I need some fresh oil tonight. I texted somebody today. They said, you're preaching tonight. I said, yeah. I said, I'm weak in my body, but I'm running on anointing tonight. I need that oil in my life. See, they would smell of it, and here's the deal. They didn't want too much of that oil, even now, when you come forward. Don't put too much of that oil on me, Pastor, because when I leave here, I'm going to eat chicken wings, I hope that's prophetic for me. (laughs) When I leave here, I'm going to the restaurant. And I don't want so much oil on me that when I get out there, I'm unacceptable. So just put a little dab on me so that when I get out there, I'm acceptable. How many times has the Lord wanted to pour the oil over your life in the spirit? And you say, Lord, don't put too much on me now. I don't don't want folks at my job to know that I'm anointed. I don't want to get so much oil in my life that I've got to be acceptable out there. But I I don't know about you. But I'm in a place in my life where I don't care anything about being acceptable out there as long as I'm acceptable in the presence of the Lord. Night, God wants to anoint you with fresh oil. How many of you want to finish this conference with a fresh oil anointing? Wave at me if that's you. Come on, wave at me. That's everybody. That's everybody. If you want that oil, come on up here. Come on up here right now. God's about to pour it out. Rush up here. Nobody leave. Just rush right up here. Come on. Come on. You say, Pastor, I want that anointing that gives me the power to war, to worship, to win, to wait. I want that anointing. I want that fresh oil. I don't want a little bit of it. I want all of it. Shadadadadaboshai, Seadadadadaboshai, Eledi beshai. Somebody lift your hands and worship the Lord. Shudabasodrababahadgedediadadabaya. It's new anointing coming on this house, Pastor. New anointing coming on glad tidings. Doing on and coming on your people tonight, God. Coming on mamas and daddies tonight, God. Shaladatabosaya. Come on, this is the sound of revival. This is the sound of desperation. Oh, yeah. Heaven is near tonight. Heaven is near tonight, oil's about to flow. Oil's about to flow. Come on, David, lift your voice. Come on, David, lift your voice. Come on, David, lift your voice. You're so close, you're so close. You're so close to fresh oil. Come on, David, put your desperation on display. Come on, David, cry out to God. Cry out to God. Yeah, yeah, feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, David. Come on, David, it's your voice. It's your voice. It's your voice that he wants to hear your voice it's gonna release the anointing in your life it's your worship oh the oil the oil is flowing already the oil is flowing Revive! and say anoint me Lord 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 Lord. pour it out on me pour it out on me I'm desperate for you it's in the oil God's about to (laughs) pour over you something that you haven't had before. What I love about David is David never got too successful for fresh oil. If you study David's life at critical moments, (laughs) he received fresh oil. Tell somebody around you, this is a critical moment. Yeah, yeah, this is a moment where I need that oil. I need that fresh oil. This is a moment where I need it. Anybody need some fresh oil tonight? I said, does anybody need fresh oil? You're about to strike oil. We're gonna raise our hands and I'm gonna release it. And listen, I just sense that heaven is about to open over this place because every breakthrough you need, you're gonna find it in the oil. It's in the anointing because the anointing lifts the burden. The anointing destroys the yoke. Every breakthrough you need, it's encapsulated in a move of God, in a touch of God, in an outpouring of God's spirit. So I don't know if I'll be able to lay hands on everybody, but I'm gonna lay hands on some folks tonight. But even if I don't get to you, I'm telling you oil is about to fall over this room. I want you to raise your hands. When we when we say the word now, heaven is about to open in this room. Some of you may tremble, some of you may have trouble standing, some of you, some of you may leap. So th- there's gonna be a response. You're gonna feel this. Because God's about to start pouring that oil on you, like he poured nine quarts over David. Let me tell you, you're not gonna rush out of this one. This is not you, it's not gonna be over in just two minutes. God's about to pour on you and pour on you and pour on you and pour on you so much that it's gonna get on your family. It's gonna get on your children. It's gonna get on your neighbors. It's gonna get on the lost. It's gonna get on the struggling. There's something about to be poured on you that is bigger than you are. So raise your hands right now. And I want you to pray this prayer loud and strong. And when we say now, I'm telling you, fresh oil is coming over you. I sense it in the Holy Ghost, Son. Fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. Pray this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, say in Jesus' name. I am a candidate for fresh oil. I need more oil in my life. I need more anointing in my life just like you anointed David anoint me whatever you poured on David pour it on me pour it over me Lord Jesus I'm desperate I lift my hands I lift my voice I cry out to you are you ready say Lord pour over me fresh oil say I receive it are you ready? Shout now! Shout out-